All right. Uh, I wanted to do just a short podcast as a follow-up to my message from Sunday. Somebody asked me a really good question, which was, uh, why do I believe that we still retain our memories in heaven? Um, And so obviously this kind of stuff is speculative. A lot of the things I was talking about on Sunday are somewhat speculative. I'm telling you my opinion, um, but I'm not just telling you a random opinion that I've assembled. Uh, it's, it's you know, based on my understanding of church history and the scripture. So um, I'm convinced that our memories are a huge part of what make us ourselves. They're a huge part of what it means to be human. It's interesting that it's not just what you remember that makes you who you are, but what you don't remember. Um, and some of that you're involved in because your memory it's tied to how you focus and what you exert effort to remember therefore our memories are a piece of our character and I believe our character is being shaped over time and everything in our scripture in the Bible uh, indicates to me that God cares very deeply uh, about our character and that he's trying to prepare us for something for eternity with him and that uh, this life is in some way a stepping stone towards eternity. If, if um, that's the case, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that our memories would be done away with or overwritten or something like that. I think that that really would destroy our personhood. Um, uh, not to get... So, spoiler alert here, if you haven't seen the new Star Wars... Um, don't listen to this next few minutes, but uh, in the new Star Wars, at one point, they have to wipe C-3PO's memory, and it's they kind of downplay the sadness, but or at least they undercut it at the end, but it's a really sad moment, and C-3PO says he's taking one last look at his friends, and the reason it's sad is that wiping his memory is tantamount to killing him. And uh, because he, you know, part of who C-3PO is, is his memories. It's the sum of his experiences to that point. And I believe that's true of all of us. We're the sum of our experiences leading up to the point in which we live. And I believe that God loves us. And if he loves us, he loves uh, who we are. And, And part of who we are is the fact that we possess memories and that our memories shape our present decision making and um, leading into the future. You know, the question is, do we have scriptural warrant for that viewpoint? Uh, I believe there's a lot of scriptural warrant for it. Um, Jesus tells us that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, He seems to be indicating clearly there that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still alive. He refers to them by name, indicating to me a retention of their personhood. He describes Lazarus as visiting Abraham in heaven. Um, It it appears that Abraham is the Abraham, um, you know, from from the Bible. Um, And so it would seem to me not to make sense for Abraham to have his memory wiped and still retain, um, you know, his personhood. Now, some people have argued that 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 parable is a um, a metaphor. So those are just some initial thoughts, but the the strongest evidence is that uh, we have interactions with with people who are dead in the Bible. So a good example of this is in Matthew 17 at the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus talks with 
Moses and Elijah. Now, we aren't privy to the words of the conversation, but uh, it's evident that the whole point of Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus there, there's, I mean, there's a bunch of different things you can draw from that, but a lot of people have argued that Moses represents the law and Elijah represents the prophets. Um, some people said, well, it's the, it's the word and the spirit. Uh, but whatever it is, it's clear that Moses and Elijah are there not because of the life that they've lived since they've died, but because of the life they lived prior to their deaths. In order for their conversations with Jesus to be uh, meaningful in that context, it, it appears to me that Moses and Elijah have to um, retain their basic personhood. They have to know who they are as a point of fact in, in their participation in history. Um, it's likely that you know they were talking with Jesus about the fact that he was about to die a supernatural death. Both Moses and Elijah died uh, supernaturally at the at the hands of um, God. And so, um, again, we don't know what they were talking about, but, but everything in the scripture there points to the fact that they were having some sort of meaningful conversation. And it's hard for me to understand how that conversation could be meaningful if Moses and Elijah were not basically the same people that um, existed that we read about in the scripture. And if that's the case, I think that they have to retain their memories in order for that to happen. Now, obviously, they're different um, because they've lived in, in heaven. Uh, well, or actually, Abraham's bosom up until, you know, that point. Um, so in tr traditional Christian theology, they, they've always thought that there was both a discontinuity and a continuity between this life and the next one. In other words, it's the same, but it's different. And we see that in Jesus. Jesus, after he was resurrected, he was the same, but he was different. Now, to what degree people are different and what degree people are the same, uh, it's, that's you know very debatable and speculative, and we can't totally know until we get there. But nevertheless, I, I think that um, a lot of church theology has pushed into a radical kind of discontinuity that originates more from um, uh, pagan philosophy. Um, so I'll talk more about that in a minute, but another good example of this is in uh, Revelation chapter 6, we see that there are these souls of the martyrs, and the, the martyrs are underneath the altar, and they're crying out to God for justice, because they were martyred, and they say, how long, O God, will you wait to give us, to give us justice? It's hard to see how they can be crying out for justice if they don't remember the justice that, or the, excuse me, remember the injustice that happened to them when they were martyred. Again, I think that's an example of memory in heaven. This is a little bit more of a reach, but I think this clearly shows that there's time in heaven, at least if we were to take this passage literally. In Revelation 22:2, there's a description of uh, of um, you know, the new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem, and there's a river coming out of the throne of God in the new Jerusalem, and there are um, trees growing on either side of the river, and it says that the trees produce a different fruit uh, every month, um, all year long. Uh, so indicating that there's still apparently seasons. Now it's different because 
you, you know, it's harvest time all the time. There's probably not winter. So again, there's discontinuity, but there's also continuity. Now, some people have argued, well, um, that whole that whole passage is is allegorical or symbolic, and um, you know that may be the case. But even if it is allegorical or symbolic, um, I think what it's showing is a greater level of continuity between this life and the next one than we're usually comfortable with. Most of the people that you know I hang out with interpret that very literally and see it as a very um, literal picture of heaven. The funny part is that they seem to ignore the part where there's time passing. <laughs> but if we take if we take the, the rest of it literally, and we think that there is a literal city, the New Jerusalem, and that we're going to live there with Jesus, then we ought to take the other part literally, that there's going to be years pass, and that these trees will produce different um, fruits. So uh, at the end of the day, my opinion of this is is rooted in my conviction that uh, there's really two different kinds of worldviews. Uh, there's the belief, the underlying belief, which I think is the Judeo-Christian one, that, that human life is good, and that Genesis 1 says God created the world, and it's, it's good, and that human life is good. Now, there's all kinds of sin and problems, but the basic concept of living on earth in a human body experiencing change and growing and uh, falling in love and having kids and doing all these kinds of things that we do and eating food, uh, that these are all good things. Now, obviously, it's clear in Scripture some of those things will be different in the, in the new heavens and the new earth, but the basic premise is that being a human is not bad. Uh, for the, the Platonists, and the Gnostics, which were two different streams of thought, but they really reasoned from the same place. They reasoned from the place that uh, that human life is bad, and that the earth is a prison, and we need to escape our bodies, and we need to escape time, and um, you know we're really in prison here. And for the Gnostics, you know they they believed that uh, that some of the archons trapped us down here, and that maybe maybe Jehovah was this arrogant archon that that trapped us down here. One of the earliest. Um, uh, heresies was a guy named Martian that that uh, thought something along those lines and therefore rejected the whole Old Testament. But um, but I don't I don't believe that. I think that human life is is good. And um, the point that the Platonists always make is we need to we need to get out of here. And we need to go to heaven. And and so they picture eternity as like a disembodied existence where you're some sort of like you know floaty ball. And you're gonna you're gonna go return to to the source of all things. Plotinus talked about the source of all things as as being the one. And the one we've got to understand this. The one is not Yahweh or Jesus. Uh, the the one is is an impersonal force uh, in in that philosophy. It's um, faceless, timeless. Uh, immutable, changeless, and it doesn't do anything. It doesn't love anyone. Uh, it doesn't act in history. It sits there, and then it somehow, uh, it's difficult, you know, there's debates about this, but it gives rise to this thing called the intellect in Plotinus's thinking, and what the intellect does is sits around all day long and thinks about itself because it's perfect, and I guess if you were perfect, you'd probably sit around and think about yourself too, and then the intellect gives rise to the soul, and the soul is like a world soul, it means it's a it's a 
a soul that contains uh, all other souls. It's like the whole universe is wrapped up inside that whole soul. And so in their way of thinking, you know, we're going to get reintegrated into this world soul. And, and Plotinus thought that it was bad that the soul has all this diversity and that there's all these different things. And we all just need to be reunited into the one. Um, all that thinking is fundamentally pantheistic in its uh, in its origin, meaning it's um, pantheism is the belief that everything is God. God created everything out of himself. Uh, in classical Jewish and Christian thought, uh, we are not pantheists. We, we believe that there's a distinction between God and people. It's called the acity of, of God. Uh, God is distinct from his creation, and that's a distinction that's preserved, um, in my opinion, even in heaven. If it's not preserved in heaven, then, then we're dealing with some kind of pantheistic version of heaven, and that's why I reject that. I think that that's not reasoning from the Bible. That's reasoning from the presupposition that I'm a part of God and I have to be reintegrated into God. But And, and people like that kind of thinking because they don't really understand what it means. But to be reintegrated into God means to have your own personal identity destroyed. It It's, you know, it's tantamount to annihilationism. It's uh, not being yourself anymore, um, which, you know, some Christians think that's what hell is, is, is annihilationism. And so... <laughs> Uh, to me, certainly, uh, heaven is not is not hell. <laughs> it's not, it's not having your personality destroyed. Um, so obviously, we'll be different in heaven, um, and I don't know to what extent that difference will be. But I'm I'm convinced that uh, the things that make us us will be retained in a significant fashion. Otherwise, this entire life down here is, um, it, it's hard for me to see how it has much meaning. Uh, I think we're supposed to learn things down here and grow and develop. And it, it um, for that to be significant, I think we'd need to carry those lessons on into the future. So anyway, those are just some thoughts that I have about that. Um, uh, anyway, I hope that helps you. Bye.